0: You're taught to say yes, you know, we're taught to just say yes, and the word no is riddled with guilt and shame and doubt, and so the first thing is, the way I think about boundaries is protecting your time and your energy.
1: Welcome to the Girl Unfiltered Podcast. If you're a woman who is ready to say yes to her wealthiest and most abundant life and manifest a business and career that totally lights you up, then girl, you are in the right place. Get ready for deep, epic, unfiltered, and inspiring girl chats. I'm your host, Helena Grace Donald, and I'm a money mindset expert, success, and business coach. But all you really need to know is that I am obsessed with helping women feel safe and in total flow around money, because you have a special purpose in this world, and playing small or pushing money away isn't going to help anybody. So are you ready to say hell yes to all that you desire? Let's do this. Ladies and welcome back to the Girl Unfiltered podcast. I'm wishing you a happy day wherever you are in the world listening on whatever day you are listening to this podcast episode and joining me for the next 50 or so minutes. Um, on today's episode, I am joined by Dr. Wendy O'Connor, and we had such a beautiful inflow conversation about juggling all aspects of being a mother, a wife, a business owner, about setting boundaries that are so important, not just for yourself, but for all of those around you, and about living intentionally. That was really the through line from today's podcast episode, and I could have honestly kept interviewing Wendy for another hour, so maybe we'll just have to bring her back for episode two. So just to fill you in on who Dr. Wendy is, she is a positive psychologist and life strategist for women. She coaches women on how to overcome overwhelm and that feeling of life dissatisfaction. And she uses the science of happiness to design your personalized fulfillment blueprint. She is a badass. She's a Stanford graduate with a doctorate in clinical psychology and she helps thousands of women worldwide to live their best lives. And this conversation really speaks for itself. So let's dive straight into it. Ladies, we are joined by the first ever doctor in the house. You are officially the first doctor I've interviewed on the Girl Unfiltered podcast. Welcome Dr. Wendy O'Connor. That's amazing. I'm so honored. Thank you for having me. Yay. Yes. Is O'Connor Irish? It is. Yeah, I'm Irish too. Awesome. How far back does your Irish lineage go? No idea. (laughs) My mom's side of the family is all Irish. So I'm like, as I was saying, I was like, O'Connor is a very Irish name. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Of course. I'm really excited for where this conversation is going to flow to and all of the juicy nuggets our listeners are going to download and experience. I thought I would kind of mix it up today in celebration of you being the first doctor. I'm going to do a little like fire, is it, what do you call it? Like fire round? Yeah, fire round. Like just random questions, uh, just so the listeners can start to get to know you in a fun way before we deep dive into some of the Deeper topics we'll be discussing today. So, Wendy, or should I say Dr. Wendy? Whatever you want to call me. What is your favorite affirmation or mantra? Ooh,
0: good question. Um, It's actually an easy answer for me. It is I can and I will. Ooh, simple but powerful. I love that. I have it over here. You may see it on my little board right here. Yeah. I have it engraved in a pendant on my necklace. Wow. I love that. So powerful. I love it. It's just the reminder every day that I can do what I want to do. I can live a life that I want to, and I will do it. I will create it. It will happen.
1: Do you find yourself in moments where the struggle gets real, just stopping and saying, I can and I will? Totally. I mean, all the time, the
0: struggle gets real all the time, more often than I think any of us would like it to. But just when I I'll often hold my pendant and I'll look at it and I've, I've missed it, actually. I've, I need to um, get it back out and on my neck. It's been like, it's such a game changer. I'll look down and I'll just hold it and I'll be like, yeah, that's right. It's just a simple reminder. We get so stuck in our heads or we get so lost in the negative thoughts or you know, the story our brain tells us about ourselves. It makes it really easy to get derailed. So having an affirmation like that is just
1: an easy way for me to feel more grounded. I love that. We'll definitely be diving into that topic today. Okay, next question. What is your favorite food? Sushi. Sushi! Oh, amazing. I love sushi. Yes. Oh my
0: god. I could eat I'm one of the weirdest people because I could literally eat sushi for breakfast. (laughs) Like I could eat for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner,
1: any day and every day. That okay, that is a little weird. Like I do love my sushi, but I could not imagine. Wanting to pull that out of the fridge in the morning over my morning cup of coffee. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, yesterday
0: I did that. I took the salmon out, the raw salmon. I chopped it up. I added avocado. I made a whole poke bowl for breakfast.
1: (laughs) Wow. Okay. I respect. Wait, how did you deal with your sushi withdrawals when pregnant then? It was horrible. That was the (laughs) hardest part. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Okay. I'm learning something new with each of these questions. Okay. What is your non-negotiable daily practice? If you have one. Going to bed on time. Oh, nice.
0: I wasn't expecting that one. I love going to bed. I love going to sleep. It's just like, it's my favorite. So I get really excited to go to bed. I love being able to unplug and just say like, it's, this is it. Like it's time for rest. It's time to recharge. So nine times out of 10, it's just a very easy commitment for me to make. Oh, it's time for bed. Got to go. And my husband will actually laugh about it because I'll literally be laying on the couch. Ca- we could be in the middle of a show and I will be like, oh, it's time. Got to go. And he's like, we're watching something. I'm like, it's time though. Like I can't change that. I got to (laughs) go. So that is my non-negotiable. Sleep is something I've always protected.
1: So do you have an actual time? Like it's a non-negotiable, I have to be in bed by this time?
0: No, not so much an exact time. I just more so commit to whatever my body's telling me. So it's usually on the earlier side. I go to sleep earlier than most people I know, but it's not like nine o'clock every night on the dot there's a surge of fatigue that comes over my body. I'm like, that's it, time to check out. It's not, I'm not gonna force myself to stay up. I'm not gonna rebel against bedtime. I'm gonna just embrace it and go right upstairs and get my snooze.
1: Oh, I love that. My husband's kind of similar with me. Like I'll get into bed and I'll just, I make this sound and I get all cozy and I love my sheets. Like I bought really high vibrational, I call them my high vibe sheets because they make me feel abundant. And like, he looks and he's like, bed is your favorite place in the world, isn't it? (laughs) I'm like, yes, yes, it is.
0: (laughs) That's right. It's the best place. So that would be a
1: non-negotiable, I'd say. It's probably the easiest one to commit to. And it's so important because so much healing and rejuvenation takes place while we're sleeping. That's like, I think there's, there's so much science behind it and what happens in the body when we give ourselves permission to sleep and the importance of sleeping before midnight, because most of that needs to happen before then. It's not okay to just go to bed at 1am and sleep for eight hours. It's actually the time before midnight that all the magic happens. So I'm so here for that. I love that. (laughs) My final, final question is, do you have a favorite word?
0: Favorite word? Is that a weird question? It's a fun question. (laughs) I mean, it's really funny because like food words come to mind.
1: I'm a big foodie, so I don't find that strange at all. (laughs) Right?
0: Well, can you share with me maybe, do you have a favorite word or, or what would be a
1: favorite word? That's a tough one. I have two words that I think make me feel really good. And then there's a word that I use. And now my husband works from home and I'm in my office and I'll come out of my office at the end of the day. He's like, I counted how many times you use this word today. (laughs) Like he can hear me using it. So my favorite word is expansion because the word makes me feel expansive. And if I just Mm. lean into that word, I can feel that within my body. But of course, being who I am, and the money mindset, what that I do, abundance is definitely a key through line and word that I use on a regular basis, for sure.
0: Yes, yes. Okay. So then mine would be intention. Mm. I find that when I say the word, when I say the word with intention, it literally will bring me back to, again, this reset, this, okay, I'm starting from this moment. What's my intention going to be? What's their intention going to be? How do we get to this place of living on purpose? So I'd have to say my favorite word would be intention. I'll even ask myself sometimes if I have just fun, like social plans. Okay, what's, the, what's my intention when I'm going out on this evening or we're going on a date or what? what's the intention? Is it to be in the present? Is it to be, you have some fun? Is it to be lighthearted? Is it to have deep conversation and connect and bond? What's the intention? So yeah, that's probably it. Besides sushi, I'd probably say intention is my favorite word.
1: (laughs) I like the intention one. I think sushi is probably on your mind a lot, but I love that intention is your favorite (laughs) one. Because you're right. Because when you're actively living on purpose and by you setting the intention before these experiences, you are then therefore creating that reality for yourself actively. So that's so powerful.
0: Exactly right. And it's all in this one word, like just that how you feel probably about abundance or expansion. It's just this one word, but the meaning
1: it has for you can be so powerful. Mm, so that's going to perfectly like, lead me into our deep conversation today. When you look back on your life... Was it always your intention to be living the life that you're leaving now with the career that you have? Was that always the through line? Or what has your journey to becoming Dr. Wendy O'Connor, life coach, an incredible mother and wife been?
0: That's a great question. Actually, the short answer is yes. I have known since seventh grade. In seventh grade, we had a psychology teacher who taught us about what careers you could have in the field of psychology. And as soon as she talked about what a psychologist does, my ears perked up and my eyes lit up. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I could get paid to listen to people, their feelings I could, and give them advice. Like it, I, I said to myself, this is exactly what I do right now in my friendships. I can't believe you could have a career out of this. And that spurred my excitement for helping others, but not just for the purpose of helping, but helping others for significant impact, for making a big difference, for being able to actually create an entire role, career path out of it. And then I never changed course, actually. So that's another one of those things that is unique, I think, about my journey is I knew so young in middle school that that's what I wanted to do. And then I just mapped out the plan and followed it okay, I'll go to undergraduate and I'll study psychology and I'll learn about it. And then I'll graduate from undergrad and then I'll get some experience working in the field and I'll learn more about people and start thinking about who I might like to work with. And then I'll apply to doctoral programs and I'll get my doctorate in psychology. And then I just followed the plan. You know, It wasn't this easy, linear experience, but it was just a known plan. And so I just let it unfold and I followed it. And
1: here I am. Wow, that is pretty unique, I have to say. I don't think many people can say they knew their intention at seventh seventh grade. What school did you go to where you had a psychology teacher? This is amazing. I mean, we didn't have that in my school. It was
0: amazing. And now that I look back, I'm thinking, yeah, that was a pretty incredible course. And it was public school. I grew up in New Jersey, and it was public school in New Jersey, in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And they had some really incredible offerings for us. And it really got us thinking about a bigger picture, much younger than I think a lot of of us really do. We don't get serious about thinking about that stuff until maybe middle of high school. And we were encouraged to start dreaming and thinking and imagining what we would do a lot younger than that, which
1: I'm really grateful for. That's incredible. That's very unique. Yeah. As you've continued down that path and remained with that one intention, What has continued to light you up about the work that you do and kept it fresh and enjoyable and filled with passion? Because I know that that's how you show up every day. Giving myself permission to pivot. Mm -hmm. So I started in the
0: field as a licensed clinical psychologist and I hung my shingle and I started my practice and it was the dream. It really was the dream. In graduate school, I went to Stanford to their tidy consortium and we're sitting around in class one day and the professor asked all of us to go around in a circle and to share what we were going to do with our degree what impact and change were we going to make in the world and so so many of my cohort said things like i'm going to open an outpatient clinic and i'm going to work at this hospital and you know cure whoever from everything i'm going to do all these incredible things and it was my turn and i thought to myself i could either make something up <laughs> I could just own my truth. So I owned my truth and I said, "I want to make jam and babies and have a private practice." I love that. The class was like, it was like the record stopped and everyone lo- and I was like, "That's just my truth. I'm here to make a difference, but it's not in this necessarily, you know, streamlined way or typical way. It's really about doing it my way. That's been something that I've always had as a priority is If I'm going to do this, it needs to be in a way that aligns for me and that excites me. Otherwise, it's not going to last for me. So I started my practice and about, let's see, I'd say maybe nine or 10 years in, I started to get burnt out because I had three babies. So I have three girls that were born 15 months apart. I had a six month old, got pregnant with twins had three babies under two. You are a superhero. (laughs) (laughs) You do what you're going to do. You know, it's just life. It's just the cards you're dealt and then how you show up for them. So you just pivot and adjust. But I realized that because there are so many little beings at home that really needed me and my energy and my focus, that my clinical side started to feel a little burnt out. I felt more taxed than I ever did before. So I started to do a couple of things like see fewer patients or change my schedule. I would just pivot. What do I need? How how do I think I need to show up for myself to keep this going? And one day I felt so exhausted with these little babies and this full thriving practice, which was a great problem to have. I did come home to my husband and I said, I'm ready to retire. And he said, oh, I don't know if today's the day. He was like, I just don't know if today is the day for you to retire. You know, you did get your doctorate from Ivy League school. You might want to finish paying that off. And I was like, all right, fair enough. So, what that means for me is that now I need to go back to the basics. I need to go back to the foundation. I need to ask myself what still lights me up about the work that I do. I need to ask myself what depletes me about the work that I do. And then I need to figure out what the modification will be for the next chapter. And I just told myself, it just needs to be the next chapter. I can change my mind as many times as I want to. I can pivot as many times as I need to. This is not about the next 20 years of my career. This is just about the next chapter of my career. And so through doing some of that deeper work, I really understood that where I desired more time and space was actually in a coaching approach to helping women. I wanted to work with women specifically. I wanted to coach them versus focus on the clinical pathology that was present in so many of my patients. I wanted women to thrive. I didn't want the focus anymore to be on just and it's not just, but I I didn't want it any longer to be only on resolving symptoms of overcoming or alleviating depressive symptoms or anxiety symptoms. I wanted people to not just get to neutral I wanted the clients that I worked with to really love their lives, want to wake up in the morning, get excited about it, not just feel like, okay, good. I resolved the depression or I resolved anxiety. Now I can survive this next chapter. I wanted them to know how to actually flourish. So that's when I dove into positive psychology. That's when coaching began. And that's how I relit that flame. And now that I'm in it for almost three years, I'd say it's just been like the biggest gift for me in this last decade besides my children.
1: Wow. Um, That's amazing. I'm going to have a lot of personal questions that are going to lead into that (laughs) as I'm in this shift in my own life at the moment. But I would love for you to just dive a little bit deeper into you say, I did the deep work. And I think we all talk about this doing the work. Yet, number one, the work can feel really scary to look at because it's going to be uncomfortable. And two, some people don't know what the work is. Mm -hmm. They're like, feeling like they know that they're trapped or feeling like they know that it's not aligned with who they are or where they're going, but don't know how to break free from that. So as you're going through this transition, and I'm sure it was not an overnight process, what are you doing that you would qualify as the work?
0: Hmm. A lot of the work for me came down to meeting myself where I was without judgment or expectation. It was about stripping away the shoulds It was about stripping away the perfection, stripping away the roadmap that had already been created by me that I'd been following. It was about removing all the obstacles or the barriers or all the things that have just kind of created a bit of a enclosure for me, trying to let those down and then to ask myself what's next. And so what's next came from really diving into what my values are. Do I even know what I value? You know, at that stage in my life, I had an amazing thriving practice. I had these three babies that were doing great, super healthy and seemingly happy, keeping a house together, keeping a marriage together. So it's just more at that time about box checking. So the work for me was about stepping away from just checking the boxes, literally removing myself from this hamster wheel and starting fresh and thinking about if I were to lay a path of you know stone by stone or brick by brick what would that look like so it was about a new vision experience really picturing what would be next for me from my heart's desire and from my value system but it was also involving challenging and restructuring a lot of the thoughts that kept me in my in that one space so you know it's the barriers to for us are not just the walls it's the you know, what I think of is like the insulation to the walls. And the insulation to the walls is our mindset. It's the story our brain tells us. It's the core belief structure that we've lived with for decades. It's the way we've structured our lives as a result of what we believe about ourselves. And then so coming back to that foundation and saying, okay, there are thoughts that have kept me in this place. There are thoughts and beliefs that are, that are leading me to feel burnt out. So there are, obviously going to be thoughts that support me and excite me and renew energy for me. And they, they're going to have to align with what I truly want. It can't just be this kind of prescribed what makes next logical sense for me to take that next step. It had to be something that really came from me if I was going to create anything that was
1: worth committing to and sticking with and carving a path for. Gosh, wow. And was there any point as your? juggling what I can only imagine is a ton of balls and you've got three babies under the age of two and a business. Was there any point where you thought, you know, I don't actually even want the business right now? Was there a point where you thought I don't want to be doing this or was that all, was that never the coming back to the word intention?
0: No, it actually never was. When I said, you know, what I realized is after I told my husband, I was ready to retire. What I really meant was I needed a change. Yeah, I didn't need to not work. I didn't need to quit my job uh, or my career path or just you know stay home with the babies. I've loved raising my girls and I'm a better person when I'm living out my life mission. And a huge part of my life mission is to make this positive impact on women all over the world. And so I needed to do the work, work on changing my story so that I could help other women change theirs so it never was this you know what i'm just going to throw in the towel or really truly retire and just you know do something totally different or just be home it really was for me about learning how to pivot in a way or reinvent my my vision for this next chapter but it, i need to do this work it's it it's not an option not to it's a strange way to say it it's just like such a pull that i don't feel aligned with happiness in my life if i'm not contributing in some way to this mission.
1: I love that. But what I'm also hearing from that moment when you said, I want to bake jam, make babies and help empower other people when you were sitting in that classroom is that, yes, all of that is true, but you haven't given up or pushed to one side the other aspects of your life that are also part of that mission, like being a mother, like bake- making the jam, like having a beautiful home. And I think that's what makes it really, really powerful.
0: Yeah, it really, for me, it always was about creating all of it, you know, creating all of it. I wasn't the person that was going to be a workaholic. I was never, I'm not designed that way. That doesn't align for me. I don't need to be working all hours of the day. I also am not the woman who's going to be 100% only focused on being a mom and raising my girls. For me, I really am my best self and my best role model for my children when I have that balance, when I have a little bit of all of it. I have the slice, the business slice that, that uh, lights me up. I have the parenting slice that mostly lights me up when the children are well-behaved. <laughs> I have the home slice that I could dedicate <laughs> time and energy to making this, this home feel warm and fun and snuggly and all the things. For me, it always was about having, having it all. It wasn't just about one
1: slice over the other. I am so here for that. And that's part of my mission too. I do think that there is a lot of programming and I come across it in my clients and people in my community where there are deeply embedded beliefs for women that they don't get to have it all. Because of what they've seen around them, because of what they've been told, because of even what we see in the media, on TV, you know, you get to have the wealth and you get to have the really successful career and and be ambitious, but you don't get to also have the beautiful marriage and love and passion and great sex at the same time. That's what we're being told. And I'm like, screw that. We do get to have it all. And was that a belief that you feel like you always had, you always knew, or was that a muscle that really needed to be flexed as you grew and grew into accepting, embracing all of these values?
0: No, I was raised basically as an only child. I have a half sister who is much older than I was, but I was basically raised as an only. And so that's actually been part of my life forever. This belief that I can do it all. I can have it all. I can have whatever I want. I just have, I'm going to have to work for it. I'm going to have to commit to it. I'm going to have to sacrifice for it. I'm going to have to remind myself of it a thousand times over. But it was never a question in my mind of what I, if I could or couldn't or if I was deserving or not, I was raised to believe that I could be anything I wanted to. So that was instilled really early for me and that never left. And then I just think because that was a really positive part of my belief system, I was able to reflect that belief in my actions. That wasn't an area that I really struggled. It was not something that held me back. I always believed that I could do it. There are times I didn't know exactly how it would pan out or, or what the ripple effect would be, or if I'm making the right decisions, but I knew what that end goal was or that outcome or that destination vision, what that was for me. I always felt pretty clear on that.
1: Mm, you and I are very similar with that one. I resonate with that one deeply. I'm really curious. As somebody who works with women on a daily basis with your clients in your community and who was brought up to believe that about herself, you're also the mother of three little girls. So, on a day to day basis, how, I don't know, you, you, I'm sure you're consciously aware of this. How do you find yourself instilling those beliefs and that energy in them as these little human beings in this world now? It's so hard to do it without feeling tremendous pressure you know, especially
0: because I'm a psychologist raising these three daughters, there's this pressure to not mess them up too much, you know, to really, I should know how not to mess up my kids. And the reality is I'm sure I'm messing them up. You know, I'm sure that there's some things that I say that aren't received, you know, the way I intend that gets stored in their little brains. And they're going to be, you know, internalized and responded to, and they're going to make little marks, little tick marks on their beliefs about themselves. And I hate even thinking about it because I wish I had more control over it than I do. But I think that's basically the number one for me is just reminding myself that I don't actually have a whole lot of control over how these little beings, who they become and how they, how they become. I only have control over how I respond to them or what I encourage them to do or invite them into or what I, how I try to set boundaries or where I set limits and just hope that it's the right call for that child. There's so many variables. Every one of my daughters is so different. So it's not just this, oh, read all the parenting books and do what the science says and has proven and just map it on to each child and you're good to go. There's so many unique variables to each of my girls. So I just try to remind myself that I'm doing the best I can, that I, I try very hard to meet them where they are in whatever moment I'm trying to teach them or coach them or parent them or however you want to look at it. But at the end of the day, I realize I'm really just a guide. I'm a guide, an encouraging guide for them to blossom into their best selves. And some days I may really come across as their biggest fan and cheerleader. And some days I may come across As their biggest critic. And I don't have control over how it's interpreted, only how it's delivered and how I intend. That really helps me through like those harder moments.
1: Yeah. I think that's actually really, really powerful. I think going into parenthood and and this is the next phase of my journey as we really map that out for us as a couple is like, I mean, it's in the best possible way. It's like, I have to tell myself, Helena, like you're going to fuck your children up in some Capacity in some way. Like, I can't strive to be perfect. I can't strive to make them perfect either, because I think in doing so, that actually creates more damage. And I think the the energy and the intention that you have is actually more empowering for not only you, but also for your daughters, because then you're giving them the freedom to decide as well who they want to be instead of trying to wrap them in cotton wool, which in itself can have more of a negative consequence as a result. That's right. So that's really empowering way to look at it. And I love that. Ladies, before I forget, I have got to mention the fact that I have created and designed a brand new money magnet meditation for you all. I took the old version of the money magnet meditation and I just basically elevated it. And the frequency oozing from this beautiful meditation is just incredible. I listened to it myself. I don't know if that's bad that you listen to your own meditation, but honestly, it just gives me all the vibes. So if you head to the link in the show notes, you can download and access that instantly. I highly recommend using this as part of your daily practice. It's only 12 minutes long. You deserve to give yourself 12 minutes of abundance vibes. And I especially recommend listening to this in the morning because it will help you walk through your day with that beautiful grounded but abundant feeling within your body so go check it out and let me know what you think of it by tagging me or uh, DMing me at girl underscore unfiltered and let me know that you're listening to it. to dive into the topic of boundaries, (laughs) because this word keeps coming up in my life at the moment. It's something I'm really talking about with my community. It's something that I will put my hands up and say that I realized about 10 days ago, my boundaries had kind of gone to shit. (laughs) It was like, not until I was sitting at my desk here and I just burst into tears and was like, what is going on? Why are you letting this anxiety take over your body right now? I was in total overwhelm. And I realized after you know a deep conversation with my husband and a lot of journaling with myself that I'd lost my spark, to be honest. I felt like my sparkle had really diminished. And I know that COVID has a big thing to play in that, but I don't really want to give away my power by saying it's COVID because at any given moment, it's my choice. But I'd stop doing the things that really just light me up for me, for who I am. Like that drive I would take to go to the gym and blast Beyonce on the way would light me up or going out for cocktails with my girlfriends that would light me up or just doing things outside of the house that were just for me were so important for my mental health. And I realized that I allowed the business to take priority over what it is that adds to my sparkle. And now I'm really back to finding that balance. But as somebody I know who coaches a lot on boundaries for women, and as somebody who has to have them in your own life as a mother and a business owner, what do boundaries mean to you? Like, Can we really speak into the power of that for anyone who's listening?
0: Mm, It's one of my favorite topics. And the funny thing is it wasn't ever when I thought about becoming an expert in happiness and becoming a happiness coach to women. I never really thought at first glance that that would mean boundaries would be such a hot topic. And there's not a single client I've worked with where boundaries hasn't been a conversation or multiple conversations. It is so difficult for us to wrap our heads around, first of all, what it means. Second of all, how to implement it. Mostly saying no feels like the biggest challenge in the world for so many of us. You know, We've learned as women to say yes to opportunities, but also to say yes to leaning in and saying yes to staying home as a mom and saying yes to our friends' requests and saying yes to be Girl Scout troop leaders and saying yes to all the things, whether it comes from a boss or it comes from a spouse or it comes from a friend or it comes from our kids. It's just, you're taught to say yes. You know, we're taught to just say yes. And the word no is riddled with guilt uh, and shame and doubt. And so the first thing is the way I think about boundaries is protecting your time and your energy. Boundaries are about protecting your time and energy. Now this breaks down into who you spend time with and who you minimize time with. This comes down to the tasks in your job that deplete you and the tasks that energize you. This comes from boundary setting around routine and structure to boundary setting in the things you say or the words you use to describe yourself in the world and describe yourself to yourself. Boundaries touch everything. But I like to think about it as a way to protect your time and energy. And it really is when when women that I work with notoriously struggle with setting boundaries in relationships. The way I talk about it is you're protecting your relationship. You're actually protecting your relationship. So that it has the best chance of survival before just blowing it up or burning it into the ground or burning that bridge. You're protecting it. Boundaries help keep it intact in a healthy way. And so there's really nothing more important for us to talk about when it comes to empowering each other, empowering women, inspiring women, is to give each other reminders of the permission to set those protective layers around time and energy, especially in relationships relationship with yourself and others. Mm -hmm.
1: What are some of the boundaries that you have in your relationship and your relationship with yourself?
0: Um, Let's see. I try to be very intentional around my day. So when I do my, I wish I had my planner, I love pulling out my planner. When I think about my time as such an important piece of my happiness, I plan my days in advance. So I look to every day in advance and I look at tomorrow and I say, okay, what are the non-negotiables or what are the appointments or what are the tasks that are most important to get done? I do some time blocking, but I also make sure that there is an acknowledgement that I don't want any of those work tasks unless there's some special, you know, opportunity to seize. But anything related to my business happens during the school, the kids' school hours. So it's when they get on the bus and go to school to when I, we get them off the bus after school, that's my protected time for work. And then when they get off the bus until bedtime, that's the protected time with the family or with the kiddos or making dinner or keeping a home. So it's funny because I always had this vision that my children would maybe not even really see me as this working mom, that they'd wonder what I did all day because they don't see what I do because once <laughs> I get them off, it's just mom. And so they wouldn't they didn't really understand what I did during the day. And so I explained to them what it looks like and why they don't notice that is because I protect my time and I set a boundary that work time is work time and home time is home time. This is obviously for those of us listening who have, you know, online businesses is really an extra challenge because social media and the internet is available to us twenty-four seven. And so that also means that we are allowing, you know, there's just an opening, I should say, for people to want some of us during any hour, all hours. Yeah. So being really intentional around protecting work time is a big one for me. I really make a very deliberate effort not to work on the weekends, not to work at nights. It really is a protected time. And it also helps me show up as my best during those hours, because I know it's not just this kind of amorphous, I can be on calls all night, or I can be checking my DMs all night, or I could be following up with clients 24-7. It allows me to be able to protect my energy too. So that's a big one. Yeah. Self-care is another one for me. And I know that's a word that just gets used so much. But for me, I love protecting my energy. I protect by only doing social things a couple, maybe once or twice a week. Because for me as an introvert, I really need to restore. I just need that. I need to take a bubble bath and a candle. And I need quiet in my house. I need to be with my thoughts. I need to watch Netflix, watch The Bachelor, catch up on stuff that just is like just for fun, just for me. You know, like that really helps me stay in the game. I love laughing because you're
1: literally describing me. Oh my God. Like, this is literally me. <laughs> we didn't know we were like East Coast, West Coast sisters. When you said, um, I only am social, I thought you were going to say once or twice a month. And then you said once or twice a week. And I was like, oh, actually, that's quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the COVID life that's like telling me that. But I'm like, once, once a week, being social is, is cool with me. I wouldn't really count maybe going out for dinner with my husband or something like that as being social. Like, I enjoy doing that. And, but no, like, I need my wind down time. I need that. I watch it on Tuesday night. I watch The Bachelor because I've got Hulu. And like, it's just, you know, it's one of those moments where you just drown everything out and you're just with yourself. And yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. And I'm like, no, like, we need to be able to be honest about this because I think that people who look at women who are successful, especially when they're looking at them on social media, think they're always maybe on or uh, they never switch off or they're always thinking about their business. And it's like, No, like I have a notification on my phone that goes off at 5.20 PM and it says office wind down now. Great. I have to have that boundary. And, And a lot of that has to do with, I worked with a time strategist and I was, this was last year and we're not even pregnant yet. I was like, how do we set my business up now that I can be a mom and I can run my business and I can feel good about it. And I'm acting as if as much as I possibly can. And I just think boundaries are so, so important. So sorry to cut you off, but I'm like, yes, yes to that self-care.
0: <laughs> They're everything, Helena. They really are. And it's so funny. I watch Bachelor on Tuesday nights <laughs> too, because I have Hulu. Yeah. So I totally get it. Yeah, no, I, when I think about when I go out or do social things, they also include my husband in that because going out on a date with him it has a different energy than staying home and just walking in front of the TV. It's like we're on and we're talking, we're having deep conversation, we're connecting. So again, I love it, but it still takes energy and intention and focus and all the stuff. Other boundaries I just try to set, as you know, I said earlier, like sleep is a big one for me. I love sleep. I love it. I love it. And so getting to bed early is great for me. And I say those are probably the main ones. Most, more often than not, I wake up in the morning early and I set that boundary to protect my time around movement. I get up and work out. So I'll either usually do a spin workout on Peloton or I'll do a strength workout through Peloton. I'll do a meditation. I'll do a few minutes to review my plan for the day, make sure that's on track. I'll take 10 minutes to read a book. And so then I just feel like that time was, I put my oxygen mask on first. I took care of me my basic needs, but then also the reading part of my morning ritual feels like indulgent to me. So I love that part because it feels like it's not just focused on, you know, movement and water and meditation and that kind of mental, physical health that we think about. But I also put something really fun in my morning routine. So I actually look forward to getting up and doing it. It feels like I just like stole some time back in my day that I got to do something just for me. So that's another boundary I love setting. The girls come in all the time. So I'll be on my bike and they'll like come in and be like, mommy. And I'm like, it's workout time. So you can either go on the floor. So I have a mat in my workout room. And I'll say you can, you can, I'll point to the floor. I'm like, you can go down there and you can do some working out if you want to some exercise alongside me. But this is not, I can't hear you. Can't hear you. I can't, I'm just focused, you know? So I protect the boundary that way, even when the kids try to interfere or join in or interrupt or whatever. It just needs to be protected. Otherwise it never happens.
1: Yeah. And I know how many moms out there can feel guilty for that. But my first thought when you said that is good for you for teaching your daughter's boundaries. Like that's teaching them to prioritize their self-care as well. That's right. And also it's a fun, like, I
0: love it. They often will drop on my yoga mat and they'll just start doing stretches or some (laughs) exercise. They'll just They'll do it because they see mommy doing it and then they respect the boundary that it's not time for player interaction, but then they go do their own
1: thing and they benefit too. Wow. Oh, I freaking love that. I was noticing that my social media consumption was really bleeding past my boundaries, like where there should have been boundaries to the point where I I noticed that I only noticed this because I started to remove myself from it. That it was so habitual that in empty moments in my day, it was like my thumb was finding Instagram. And then of course, as a coach, you could have client DMs in there. You can have messages from people in your community or people asking you questions about something you've posted or what you do. And it was making me feel like I was always needed. I So I then had the belief, I am always needed. Which is reinforcing what I believe was a lack mindset, which is so not what I'm here for whatsoever and not what I coach on. And so once I realized that, I've now set the boundary that on a Friday evening, I actually remove Instagram from my phone. And so this weekend, I didn't log on to Instagram until almost midday today on a Monday morning because I prioritized that Monday mornings are for me. So I did the Peloton as well and my breath work and. Made myself a smoothie and did all of the things. And I know how many people will think by doing that, they'll feel guilty or like they're not giving enough or they're not doing enough. And I'm actually so aware of the fact that the more I'm doing this, the more I'm showing up as a better coach. I'm showing up with more energy on social media, more intentionally. And this is the big kicker. I don't even have my emails on my phone anymore. And I don't even have Facebook on my phone anymore. Reason being is because. I am responding to emails more with intention now that I'm not looking at them throughout the day or when I should be taking my tea break or eating my lunch, because I actually give myself 30 minutes a day to respond only when I'm on my laptop. Because how many times are you waiting in your car or you're in line at the grocery store and you're checking your emails and then you forget to respond but the thing is still looming over your head and it's still like clogging up brain space. And it was just creating anxiety for me. And so I've really set some solid boundaries and I can't even begin to express how much healthier my mental space is as a result. That's incredible. I'm so happy you're bringing
0: this up because I've noticed just recently too, that there's like this compulsion. Mm -hmm. It's like this pull your phone is always in reach. And so it's just this pull to you fill in the blank space. Whenever there's empty space, we just fill it. Yeah. And we fill it with what I call like the low-hanging fruit. It's just the easy things to grab. So in the evenings when we're tired, we fill it with food or we fill it with wine or we fill it with Netflix binges. And during the weekends, we just fill it with checking and scrolling and checking and checking. And it's almost like, and I've, I've been experiencing this too recently, where I feel like it's just constant. Like you almost don't know what to do if you're not checking those things. You're almost like, well, now what do I do? And so I started to do practicing like a silent Saturday or a silent Sunday on social media so that I don't post. I don't feel pulled to post or share or respond or do any of the things. And that helped me so much. But my next step is to plug in my phone in another room for a big part of the weekend, like, sit, like chunks of time, hours. Because as soon as I've done that, as soon as I've plugged in my phone in the bedroom, and then I come downstairs to make a meal or to hang with the family, I actually get lost in the time we're together. It's like you embrace it, you surrender to it, you're in it. You're not one foot in, one foot out. You're fully in it. And then you get to experience a better time. You get to enjoy it you know, you get more pleasure out of it. The family enjoys your company. Like it's just has so many positive ripple effects, but it's really about ripping that bandaid. That's super uncomfortable at the beginning.
1: And then letting yourself flounder a little bit to fill in the gaps. Yeah. It's uncomfortable in the beginning. Like I, I went to, I took myself to Santa Barbara for the weekend and I was at a crossroads as in waiting to cross the road. I knew consciously I've deleted Instagram from my phone for that weekend. And I'm standing at the crossroads and I'm going to check my Instagram because it was an empty moment because I was waiting for something. And what that does, if you actually think about it, is you're scrolling through other people's lives, other people's whatever they're posting. And then in your quiet moments or in your empty moments or when you are with the kids or when I am making dinner for my husband or whatever, I'm not thinking about my life. I'm thinking about everything I've seen that somebody else has posted. And how healthy is that? Whereas this weekend, I was so present. I started playing tennis for the first time in 17 years. Like literally haven't played tennis since I was a kid. Amazing. I just feel so rested. Get this. My husband and I have found ourselves now because they've opened outdoor dining. And we found ourselves going for dinner and they have the QR codes, So you have to use the QR codes to check the menu. And we look at the waiter and we're like, we don't have our phones with us <laughs> because both of us have left them at the house or in the car because we're forgetting to even attach. And we're like, do you have a printed menu that you could give us? <laughs> <laughs> we feel like aliens that have just landed and whom both people don't have their phones with them. We're like, what? What is this? But it's just been a game changer. And I know it sounds so simple, like deleting Instagram for a weekend, but honestly, it really has shifted my mental health in a really positive way. So that's
0: amazing. I love that. I love that you're sharing that. I think that all of your listeners will be so excited to hear that. I'm excited to hear it. I can't wait to take my own boundary setting to the next level because I just can't wait to see what more... It's almost like you get a taste of it. And you're like, oh, so this felt really good this weekend. How do I do more of that? How do I keep that growing? How do I keep feeling this way? And that's where I think a lot of us get stuck is we have this great idea. We get excited. We try something on for size. We love it. But then we end up sliding back into our old yeah. ways because then there's that weekend hell and hell, where there's like that important update on your phone, or there's an important email or something that pulls you back in. And then it's so easy to go back to those old ways. So I love the idea of, of starting more serious boundary setting around the phone because it's definitely as an online business owner, a big area of potentially
1: depleting energy. I love what you just said, because it's so true when it comes to forming habits. And I know this is something you support your clients on with them creating boundaries. So what are some of your tips or tools or what can we do to consistently reinforce that positive habit when you do find yourself falling back into old patterns? What can we do to break ourselves out of that?
0: The best thing we can do is to stop giving our inner critic the power
1: Mm -hmm. to stop
0: giving, you know, that negative belief about oh yeah, I knew you couldn't do it anyway or oh here we are again or what's the point? why do I keep bothering? you know maybe this just isn't for me when we just let that inner critic come in and make us feel like losers, make us feel like people that just like can't get it done, can't get it together aren't good enough. the more time we spend listening to those thoughts or contemplating those thoughts or buying into those thoughts, the more time that we just lose, living a life that we love. And so my best advice is that whenever that happens, whenever you notice the brain just starts secreting those thoughts, those inner critic thoughts that are just beating us up to do something like clap your hands, snap your fingers, set a timer, make it something that's very like short protected time that you're like, okay, I'm frustrated. I'm discouraged. I'm having a tantrum of my own. I'm going to make it time limited. And then I'm moving on. I'm recommitting. I'm realigning. It's never, ever too late to start again. And so I coach my clients all the time on just how to start again, how to choose to show up, how to choose yourself again, how to not let those negative thoughts have more power than your optimistic thoughts, your excited thoughts, the vision that you had when you set the goal in the first place thoughts. You know, just really, I almost think about it like, a radio. It's like turning down the volume, giving yourself permission to turn down the volume on the critical thoughts and the power and the volume of those thoughts, because they tend to be very loud and very convincing. To just imagine yourself turning down the volume on those thoughts and turning up the volume on your inner coach, your inner cheerleader, that version of you that knows that you are deserving of more, that you want more, that you wish for more. Let yourself just pour into that space and that energy even if it just means making a simple decision to commit again and to start again after your tantrum ends even if you don't take any action steps but just the step of saying i recommit or i realign with this will allow you to just let go
1: of losing that time to your critic we just don't have the time to lose yeah and we have permission every single moment to recommit like that's really powerful. I love that message in that. So we could honestly probably talk for another hour, but I'm conscious of the time. <laughs> so I know happiness is a really big thing for you, Wendy, and that you really support your clients in really finding their true inner happiness. So what is one thing just to round things off that you would love more women to know that you think would truly support them in embracing what happiness means for them? That's a big question to finish off on, but here we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the biggest thought that comes to mind off the bat is the reminder that you have permission, that you have permission. And that permission is the most powerful thing you could ever grant to yourself. Permission to show up again, permission to not beat yourself up, permission to start a new goal, permission to realign with an old one, permission to set a boundary permission to protect your time, permission to leave a relationship, permission to go for the promotion. It's just about you know what really leads to our happiness is giving ourselves permission to even go for it. And so many women don't even go for it because they get so stuck in their mindset and they get so stuck in those beliefs that have held them back for decades that we don't even see it as possible for us. It's only good for Sozy, but it's not good for me. It's not an option for me. So the biggest tip I could give when it comes to pursuing happiness is to give yourself permission to go for it, to give yourself permission to actually even entertain becoming your happiest self. Because most people, the vast majority don't even bother trying. They stop themselves before they even go for it.
1: They stop themselves from even allowing themselves to lean into the, the ultimate vision. That's something I, I find all the time with the women that I work with. I'm like, what is your big ultimate goal? And they'll tell me they're little goal or first goal? I'm like, no, no, I didn't ask that. I asked what your ultimate goal is. And as women, we need to give ourselves permission to lean into that and expand into that coming back to my word. (laughs) That's right. And to experience the abundance of that
0: intentionally.
1: Yes. There we go. (laughs) Nailed it. Okay. (laughs) might drop. I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Wendy for joining us. Um, This has been an absolute pleasure and I'm sure there's so much more to come in future episodes on the podcast. We'll dive more deeply into other topics. Before we say goodbye, where can people find more about you and connect with you
0: online? Sure. So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Wendy O'Connor or drwendyoconnor.com if you're curious about what services I offer. I have a really fun challenge coming up. So it's all about sabotaging your self-doubt. Which is a big one for my clients. So that's the easiest way. And I'm online all
1: the time, except for the times that I'm not,
0: the times that I've protected and blocked off as personal. (laughs)
1: Love it. Amazing. Thank you so much, Wendy. Mm If you loved today's episode, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button because women supporting women is my jam. And if you want extra daily doses of motivation, then be sure to follow me on Instagram at girl underscore unfiltered and go ahead and screenshot this episode. Send me a DM and share your biggest takeaway because I love hearing from you and I just really want to drop into your DMs basically. So I'm sending you so much love and abundance and have an amazing day.